Graveyard Coffee Talk. Grab yourself a caffeinated beverage and join us for some creepy tales. All right. All right. So, Amanda, what are you drinking today? Today, I have a nitro mocha that is hitting the spot. Excellent. Excellent. I'm drinking a dirty chai uh, because as much as I love chai tea, I should also add espresso to it. Oh, because of reasons. Um, we both got our drinks from another local coffee shop in our area called Heine Brothers Coffee. Uh, it's quite wonderful, and there's one very close to where we record, so it is a win-win situation. Plus, you know, going to get a smidge political real quick, but we're recording this late July, early August, and they are actually requiring masks. It's pretty even great. if you're vaccinated, um, as they should. For now, until our rates get up a little higher, and I'll get off my soapbox for the moment, but wait till more caffeine hits. Oh yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back on that soapbox. All right, and I have drawn our tarot card of the day. Uh, I am again using the Strider tarot. Uh, I do really love it. First off, the art is stunning. B, it's a miniature-sized deck, and I have small hands, so it's just easier for me to shuffle, in all honesty. It's like half the reason I own it. Also, it is all about liminal spaces. And since we are exploring the supernatural and folklore, it is all about those liminal spaces. So it's appropriate. Agreed. And our card today is the Five of Wands. Uh, to quote the book, this card may indicate an internal struggle or time when you feel divided between disparate paths. Embrace change and let the conflict push you towards new horizons and greater goals. Um, I really kind of love this card. Also, it's just really pretty. It's got kind of like a watercolor style. Um, but yeah, we are... Words are gone. Words are very gone. I really don't know where you were trying to go with that. I don't either. Anyway, it's a great card, and we're gonna, we're gonna keep going. So, Amanda, what's our topic today? So, our topic today is the hitchhiking ghost or vanishing ghost phenomenon. I will continue my trend of covering the way this bit of folklore has evolved in the U.S. Corinne is going to take over for other parts of the world. Uh, yes, this is a, a ghost story that you will find across all borders. It's a very interesting thing. Um, so Amanda, have you ever experienced a hitchhiking ghost? Not to the best of my knowledge. I know when you and I used to drive through Cherokee Park. It wasn't Cherokee, it was Seneca. Seneca, you're right. Yep, it was Seneca because it was always at night, always driving through, and it always felt like there was a presence in the car, and it creeped me out. Always in the back seat behind the passenger seat. Yep. Hasn't happened in years, though. Well, I'm not in the car with you in Seneca Park anymore, so... God damn it, and your haunted ass. Okay. I do what I can. All right. 
So first off, uh, if you Google hitchhiking ghosts, the entire first page of results is articles about the ghosts on the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney World. I did notice that. So that was useful mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have much better luck if you search the vanishing hitchhiker, which I finally hit on after I'm so, <laughs> multiple I attempts. I wish you had told me because I hit that one pretty quickly when I was like, well, this is useless to me. Okay. Disney is not really um, in my purview. Yes. So first off, there is a vanishing hitchhiking ghost in your a cart when you're on the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney World. I did know that. I did know that. Um, I also did, having been on that ride. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help us today. No, not really. Not really our topic of choice. No, 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 no. So from the research that I've done, the Hitchhiking Ghost really hits American folklore in the 1920s. Okay. Uh, similar stories did begin showing up as early as the 1870s. Okay. But it wasn't until the 1920s that this really hit its stride and you start seeing these stories pop up in different pockets around the country. And that makes sense because that's about when car culture really took off in the United States. Exactly. Uh, So the legend changes a bit across the country. Mm. In North Carolina, you've got the legend of either Lydia or Annie. Okay. It uh, depends on who's telling the story. I'm so glad she gets a name. I know. We keep finding these folklore women with names. I didn't know it was possible. Love it. Love um, to hear it. Right? And and they're not villains. Yes. Well, okay. La Llorona was a villain, I guess. Yeah. Sort of. Listen to last episode. You'll get all the information there. <laughs> so in... North Carolina and in a lot of Appalachia, you see a teenage girl alone on the side of an empty road looking for a ride home. Okay. Once she gets into your car, she shivers. Uh, In a lot of the retellings, the gentleman that picks her up is very chivalrous, Mm. takes off his jacket. Um, You know, in a lot of media about this phenomenon, you'll see, you know, the quintessential 1950s jock. Take off his Letterman jacket. Of course. Hand it very to cute, very cute. the woman. Um, she's very pleasant. You get to the destination and either she vanishes at the door okay. when she gets to the house or she has vanished when you look over to say, all right, we're here. Do you need anything else? Okay, okay. Um, and in the version about Lydia or Annie specifically, once you go up to the door because you're like, oh, gosh, did something happen to her? Mm-hmm. I guess I should check in with whoever she was supposed to meet with. They'll tell you that, oh, Annie died 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. Not too spooky. Not too spooky. You know, I'm my introvert self really wouldn't be too sad if someone in my car just disappeared and I didn't have to go through the goodbye pleasantries. Especially if it's someone I don't know. So no, honestly. that's too much anxiety for me. That, no, can't do it. Can't do it. Like, no, that bitch just vanished. No, 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 no. Come back. We have not completed the social transaction. Brain cannot compute. No, I'd say good riddance. She's probably fine and move on with my life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> We're not sociopaths, I swear. TBD. Oh, the tea just went almost out my nose. <laughs> So 
We can thank American folklorists Richard Beardsley and Rosalie Hankey for most of our accounts of the various hitchhiker archetypes. Oh, I saw their research. It's so good. Right? It's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Carry on. Yes. So they broke the hitchhiker phenomenon into the following four categories. Okay. First is the story where the ghost asked for a lift to a specific address. Uh, you mainly see that in the Southeast United States. Uh, it was super prevalent in Appalachia. Okay. And eventually meandered its way down through the Gulf states. Okay, okay, okay. Then you have the stories which I was super unfamiliar with. I've always heard the ghost gets in a car, asks for a lift, disappears which version of the story makes, because yeah, we're we're in Kentucky. We're, we're adjacent to Appalachia. Um, this next one I find fascinating though. These are the stories where the ghost is an old woman prophesying the future. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Those were wild. I love that. Right? So this is a primarily Midwestern take on the idea, and it shows up frequently in Chicago around the turn of the century. I saw it. There's one in New York, too, and if you don't touch on it, I might bring it up, even though it's technically out of my purview. Please do, because I mostly have the Chicago one. Okay, okay. So these ghosts have given all sorts of useful information. Uh, one old woman in Chicago gave someone the exact date of VE Day in mm -hmm. World War II, about okay. a month before it happened. Oh, yeah. Um, again, in Chicago, there was an old woman on a train who predicted the calamities at the World's Fair in Chicago. I, yes, yes. Okay, I saw that one. And there was another one who warned that the northerly island in Lake Michigan would sink below the surface. Um, this one still hasn't happened. Cool. So. Cool. You know, global warming. Yeah, it can still happen. Um, We've got time. But Those no, I, are melting. I, I didn't see one about New York. I'd love to hear oh, that one. Oh, okay. So apparently... And this may have been covered a little bit later in your research, because it's not necessarily prophecy. Um, hitchhikers would pick up an older woman dressed as a nun, and it's Mother Cabrini. Oh. Like, post, post her passing, Mother Cabrini being uh, a saint in the Catholic Church, but uh, her abbey was up in northern New York. So some people see it as a variant on the picking up a deity version and of the story. I was about to say that might be the fourth type, yes. which we'll get to. Um, type three is the one that I think is most prevalent in national folklore, which is there's a teenage girl. She needs a ride to a dance or a ride home from a dance. She gets in your car in her prom dress. She disappears. Mm -hmm. um, Beardsley and Hanky don't actually believe that this is an organic folklore story. This fits more the urban legend. It's too uniform. Mm, yeah, yeah, across yeah. tellings, it is always the exact same. So that just seems like you know, prom started becoming super popular in yeah post World War II America, and we all love our creepy pasta. Yes. Well, I don't love creepy pasta. But typically people like creepypasta. We all love our creepypasta. Deep, deep down. Nope. Deep, deep, deep down. Real deep. And then part four, which we touched on a little bit, is 
the one where the ghost ends up being a local deity. Mm. And I want to touch briefly on probably the most famous version of that, which is from Hawaii. Yes. Uh, The goddess Pele is said to wander the roads near, and I am going to butcher some pronunciation, and I apologize profusely, Uh, but she wanders the roads near Kilauea, Mm. and sometimes she's a beautiful young woman, sometimes she's an older woman with all white hair. Okay, okay. She is always dressed in red. Interesting, okay. Sometimes she is by herself. Okay. And sometimes she is accompanied by a pure white dog. Okay, I like ghost puppies. You might not in a future episode. Thanks. <laughs> um, but if a car stops to help her, she will talk to the driver and then disappear. Okay. Um, from what I could tell from the different um, sightings of Pele, she never really gets in the car. Okay. But every time she appears to a driver in this way, it is a warning that a volcano is about to erupt. Oh, okay, right. Yes, Pele is a goddess of volcanoes? Yes. Okay, cool, I didn't remember that correctly. Uh, So the driver is supposed to then go warn the community that the volcano is going to erupt soon, and the folklore is that, or I guess the local legends are, that it's always been right. Mm. Pele appears, dressed in red, Time talks, GTFO. Yeah, talks to a driver, um, always a native. Makes sense. Well, she needs to tell someone who's going to believe her. Correct, correct. Um, but she rarely actually says anything about the volcano. Okay. It's, it's one of those things where, if I had to guess, and I am not super well-versed in Hawaiian mythology, so I could be completely off base, and I would love it if someone could correct me if I am, and educate me a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I had to guess, it's one of those, if you are devout enough and pay attention enough to me, then you're worth the saving. Warning. Yeah, you're, you're worth this warning. If you don't pick up on the warning because you're not educated about me, that's not my fault. Yeah, I did my job. Yeah. We're I did more than you guys deserve to begin with. Indeed. Which is how I feel about a lot of warnings towards humanity in the year of our Lord 2021. Yeah, well. And, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of women, mm-hmm. hitchhikers, but road deaths are gender neutral. They are, yes. Um, cars are big. Cars are big and humans are squishy. We are so squishy. So there's a story outside of Anthem, Arizona, that tells of an unlucky young man uh, on Black Canyon Highway. Okay. He was hitchhiking his way to Phoenix. All right. He was struck by a car who he thought, at least it's assumed that he thought it was- Gonna pick him up. Gonna pick him up, and it kept going. Um, He can now be seen on the side of the road holding a lantern, still looking for a lift to Phoenix. Aw, buddy. Um, Those who offer him a ride have seen him disappear from the back seat. Okay. And those who don't offer him a ride just see him in the rearview mirror until he dissipates almost like the the movie version of a mirage. Ew. Interesting. And 
that one's interesting to me because the description of the man as, you know, a younger mm-hmm. late teens, early twenties, it's always the same. Oh, that's very interesting. So I thought that was nifty. That's um, super cool. I'd never heard that variant. And, you know, I, I'm not sure how we couch that with the vanishing hitchhiker as a folklore trope versus a one-off ghost story. Well, when we get into the more international stuff, um, it's a little bit more gender neutral as well. Okay. So Um, that could be part of it. And then the last little bit that I wanted to touch on are the ghosts of New Orleans who... There are certain areas of New Orleans that cab drivers will not pick up a fare from because they will not get paid. Fair and valid. Their passenger will disappear before they get to location B. Great. Oh, that's super. And tragically to me, the reports of this type of ghost really picked up post-Katrina. So... You know, it can be assumed that it's the victims yeah. trying to either flee or trying to get back to their homes yeah. or Oof. just reliving whatever moment they are trapped in. Oh, and we're going to touch more on that with me, too. I'm sorry in advance. <sighs> it's depressing. It's really depressing. Um, but that's my quick little overview. Um, this, okay. This episode and next episode, I'm touching on just little bits from uh, just slightly different places. America, it turns out, is very broad. And there are a lot of Uh stories. And, you know, we could probably do an entire podcast just about the vanishing ghosts in the United States easily. So for this format, this is about all I can cover. Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. So I'm taking a more wide lens. We're going to get a little bit more global. We're actually also going to get historical. Exciting-ish. Um, so when I started doing my research, uh, the stories that we know as a vanishing hitchhiker are global, and they arguably go back to biblical times. Ooh. And that is where we're going to start. So in the Bible, I'm not even joking, Acts of the Apostles. Okay. St. Philip gets whisked away while he's traveling. Um, He is supposed to go meet this. He's told to meet an Ethiopian man who is on the road from Jerusalem. He talks to this man. He converts him. Okay. Um, And this man was a fairly high up in society. He was a eunuch. Uh, He'd been studying Jewish scripture. He starts talking about like, what do these verses mean with St. Philip? And St. Philip is telling him all the good news about Jesus. And they pass a body of water and the Ethiopian is like, hey, so what's stopping me from getting baptized right now? And Philip is like, I will super totally baptize you. As you do. So, you know, they go down to the, to the water. Philip baptizes this Ethiopian man. And the spirit of the Lord then whisks Philip away. Back to wherever he started his his trip. Like, just gone. Oh. Uh-huh. And, like, no joke, in the Bible, uh, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. I do have a version from the New International Version of the Bible right here, but it's kind of long and my formatting got jacked up. 
But if we go down towards the bottom, uh, I'm going to do verses 36 through 39 here. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my, my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Okay. So apparently someone else is also fine with someone yoinking off before getting to finish the social contract of saying goodbye to someone. You're not alone, Amanda. I'm not. Look, Jesus agrees with me. It's actually a eunuch. It's not Jesus. I'm pretty sure the spirit of the Lord didn't care about that social contract Probably being complete. Not. Probably not. Yeah, well, whatevs. <laughs> I've never read that uh, particular passage before. I don't know that that gets read in church. I'd like to address that with the priest. I'd pay more attention if we had vanishing hitchhiking ghosts. Right? There is some version of the story of St. Christopher, who's the patron saint of travelers, where he has a similar experience, except he's carrying a child across a river, and the child is really super heavy. And he's like, oh my god, this kid is like friggin' bag of rocks. I feel like I'm carrying the world on my shoulders. Yeah, that's how children feel when they start <laughs> to fall asleep on you. They get across the water and St. Christopher puts this child down and is like, dude, you're a hefty little tyke. And the kid's like, I'm Jesus, you were carrying the weight of the world, and then fucks off. And is never seen again. Okay, so... <laughs> and maybe this makes me some sort of blasphemer. I mean... But we all knew that already. <laughs> Why I don't would you do that to somebody? I don't know. St. Christopher's probably made up anyway, unfortunately. I mean, probably. It's really hard to verify someone's existence. It is. When you start going further and further back. It's very true. It's very true. It's, it's like we aren't entirely sure that King Nebuchadnezzar existed. Yes. But no, I just, I saw that story and I cracked up. And I also saw the bit in uh, in the Bible, and it was like, what? I'm sorry, what? Um, all right, so there are more global versions. There are variants from almost every corner of the world, and I'm going to touch on three. Okay. So the first one I have is actually from Korea. The variant that I read takes place during the Japanese occupation of Korea, so everybody had Japanese names. Yeah. So um, I'm actually not going to use the names because... I, it feels, I know that it's period accurate, but it feels rude to me. I agree. And <clears throat> yeah, it's no bueno. There are still signs up in various parts of Southern China that establishments say no Chinese patrons allowed. Yeah. And they have it in as many languages as they can. And yeah. I cannot blame that area of the world for feeling like that. I'm just meaning no are, Japanese. Huh? I'm assuming you mean no Japanese. You actually said Chinese. I did mean no Japanese. I clearly need more coffee. I understand that. Um, and, you know, I, I can't blame people in that part of the world for feeling that way. The survivors are still alive yeah. today. Yes. Um, but anyway, so this variant who was originally told to the two researchers that you mentioned, mm -hmm. whose names I'm totally blanking on right now. Let me pull them back up. So we can give them credit, Richard Beardsley and Rosalie Hankey. 
So this is told to them by a colleague at UC Berkeley, I believe. Yes, they were. Yeah, UC uh, Berkeley. California. So um, in this variant, a taxi driver picks up a young woman at a crematorium. Uh, she's like, I need to get home. He takes her there and she realizes that she doesn't have her purse to pay his cab fare. She's like, I'm just, I'm going to go inside. I'm going to get my money and I'll come right back. And he's like, okay, you know, it's out in front of the local grocery, uh, clearly a family member of theirs. Mm -hmm. And the young woman goes in and never comes back out. And he's like, oh, come on. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. I don't want to wake these people up, but I need to get paid. Right. So you guys, he knocks on the door. And uh, the owner of the grocery comes out, and the guy describes, like, yeah, this young woman, I picked her up, I dropped her off, she was supposed to come out and pay me, and she's never come back in. And he's like, that's our daughter, and she passed away, like, last year. And the guy's like, okay! So, so that's that variant. While that story is creepy, that would also be a fantastic way to get a free ride to different places <laughs> if you can convince your family members and or roommates. That's so unethical. It's completely unethical and I don't recommend it to anyone. Don't do it y'all. But also um, if she was a young Korean woman and the cab driver was Japanese, I think he probably deserved it in that particular situation. Anywho. So there's that variant, which mm -hmm. was very interesting. And then I have two others that are very similar. So the first of these two more contemporary stories on top of that, like we're talking in the last 20 years or so, um, is in Shillong, India. And I might be pronouncing this incorrectly. I'm very sorry. Um, so I found actually a, um, a textual analysis of how this story had started spreading. Uh, it's a story told among the Kasi people in northern India, situated around Shillong. Um, the researcher was Margaret Linda Lingdo. I might be mispronouncing that. She's from the University of Tartu in Estonia. So it's a very similar story. Taxi drivers started reporting they were picking up a young woman who would ask to be taken somewhere. And when they got to the place, she's not in the cab anymore. Okay. But very specifically... This story started spreading after a particularly violent murder. A young woman was murdered by her fiancé. She was pregnant. And then after he was convicted and locked away, that's when these stories started. Um, to quote the article, on the 6th of September, 2002, a 23-year-old pregnant woman was killed by her husband. Oh, sorry, it was husband, not fiancé. My apologies. On the 8th of January, 2008, he was sentenced to life imprisonment. Soon afterwards, the story of a young woman hailing taxis and then vanishing mysteriously from them began to make the rounds in Shillong. Um, That's so sad. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty sad. Um, what was very notable there is that the Kasi people are matril um, matrilineal? Mm -hmm. Ma matriarchal. They are a matriarchal society. That's the word okay. I'm looking for. So for this young pregnant woman to be murdered was very difficult. Like, it really struck the whole region. Everyone felt very affected by this murder. It was very out of the ordinary and just very traumatic. Well, yes. yes. So to build on that, more happy, fun times. Um, and listeners might actually be familiar with this particular story because it was featured in Unsolved Mysteries. And it's okay. the ghosts in Ishinomaki, Japan. 
after the 2011 Tahoe earthquake and the resulting tsunami. Okay. So, um, taxi drivers, again, started reporting picking up passengers. Um, and there are, there's fair evidence. There's one man who picked up a young, another young man and was asked to drive him to the top of a local mountain. He gets to the top. His meter has been running the entire time, and the man is no longer in the car. Okay. Another man reported picking up a young woman who was dressed kind of inappropriately for the season. Like, she was wearing heavy clothes, and it's summertime. He's like, that's kind of weird. So he picks her up, and they're driving along to her destination, and he hears her in the backseat go, I'm dead, aren't I? And then she vanished. Oh. Um, so... In both of the cases in Shillong and Ishinomaki, you get these reports coming after a very traumatic event. So it's similar to the Hurricane Katrina. Yes. So um, one of the experts who has spoken about the ghosts in Ishinomaki, because there's actually a lot of stories I'm only touching on hitchhiking ghosts. There are so many more reports of supernatural activity. And uh, there was... Uh, Dr. Charles R. Figley, who is the chair of Disaster Mental Health at Tulane, okay. who said, Collective trauma creates collective reactions seeking healing, a sense of safety and hope. It is not uncommon for fellow survivors of catastrophic loss and dislocation to have common reactions, be they paranormal sightings, uh, sounds, or smells. Ghosts, for some, are more tolerable than the void created by death. How dare you? I, so this is the wild speculation on my part, and I'm really sorry. I might actually tear up because it makes me really sad. Um, in both of these particular instances, um, I feel like people's sense of what is home is what was wounded. And then you have all these ghosts trying to get back to what they once knew. So their sense of home is what is caught in this trauma. And they're trying to get to a home that isn't theirs anymore. That is heartbreaking. So yeah, I'm actually crying a little bit right now because I'm a baby. I'm same. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I got for us. Sorry. Let's. Wow, what an upper we ended this episode on. You're welcome. It's not all spooky time. Sometimes it's sad and introspective. Yay. You're welcome. Anyway. Um, Sorry about that, guys. This has been this week's episode of Ghosts and Co- Graveyards and Co- I Words. Graveyard Coffee Talk. I knew this. Graveyard Coffee Talk. I know what show I'm on. Sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares to you all. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Sean and McGuire. Copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at graveyardcoffeetalkpod or on Twitter at talkgraveyard.